Pastor Penn has gone in Ohio this weekend, and Nelson is down in Bedford with some family. Not sure where Jesse is. So you got me. I, uh, the, thanks, Austin. I, uh, I don't speak very much, which is fine with me. Um, but we're going to go places this morning, hopefully, that... Uh, Something I've been thinking a lot about and trying to live by. Um, so, did you all get the uh, that slide, the uh, the new service slide? There's a. I know it's been up there a few times, but. Um, yeah, I'm gonna need those things. <laughs> Thank you. She knows me. Hallelujah. Uh, if she hears me rambling, she gives me my glasses, knowing that I can't see my notes. <laughs> no, this is uh, this is a big change for us, and we we uh, we don't know where it's gonna shake out yet, and and yet it's change, right? Change is not always uh, something we look forward to. We're creatures of habit, right? Especially the older we get, we like our comfort space. I do anyway, and so th this is a change, but. I guess if, if if I could say anything, let's 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 try it. It's not a it's not a life sentence. If um, if it's something that doesn't work out too well, we we're flexible. But uh, let's try it. Um, at the beginning of the year or or uh, partway into it, I had this uh, this word, and it's it's something I've lived by quite a bit. But I thought about it as soon as this was mentioned to plan for growth. And, and I'm one too, I love, I love things stable, I love things the same many times, but that word plan for growth is, uh, that, that holds uncertainty, right? We don't know what the future holds, but when this idea of a new service was, uh, was put forth, I had to think of that, of that word, to plan for growth. We try to do it as a business, and, and personally we want to grow, right? I think we're wired to grow. Uh, we're wired to improve things. Um, and so here we are, another service. But it kind of goes along with uh, th this whole change thing kind of goes along with my message. But let's, uh, let's dive into it. Did we, we dismissed the kids, right? So everybody good? I feel like I can't hardly see you. These uh, spotlights are a little strange. But uh, run with me, okay? Let's, uh, let's talk about something this morning that is... is um, it's a big word. It uh, ties together a lot of things in our lives. It affects our, our happiness, our acceptance, our peace, our success. This one word kind of uh, determines those things in our lives. This one word can determine whether we succeed or whether we fail. Um, none of us wakes up, I don't think so anyway, in the morning saying, today, I'm going to try to fail, right? It's just weird. It's just, it's just dumb, okay? We don't do that. We want to, we're wired to be successful um, for all the right reasons, of course, but we're wired to, to be successful. There's one word that if we get it right, um, it can determine whether we succeed or fail, whether we're happy in life whether we feel accepted, whether we're at peace. 
The word is attitude, and it's something I've, I've uh, been working on for, what is it, 47 years or something like that, 48. But it's, I think, what about the older people in the front row? You probably got it all figured out, right? No attitude. Usually when we use the word attitude, it's negative. For some reason, if we say somebody has an attitude the size of Texas, that's probably not a positive thing. Or big attitude, it's, it's not usually good. But attitude is like a, like a paintbrush, right? It can be used for, it can be both good or bad. It can paint one color or another. Somebody said, uh, I was listening to a, a TED talk this week, and he said that, that attitude is the mind's paintbrush. And I was thinking about that. Kind of interesting. It's like a lot of other things in life. They're just a, like a, they're just a thing, but right, it can go either way. A paintbrush can, can do a lot of things. It can paint a lot of grays, which I think are boring, but that's where they are today, right? That's but that was not, to, not, not meant to, I, I wasn't saying anything with that. But. <laughs> um, but our attitudes can also paint a positive uh, environment in our lives. They can paint something that is that is uh, creative, right? And so that's, that's kind of how attitudes are, just like a paintbrush. They can be used to, to create color. When we say somebody's a colorful person, that's not always positive either, right? <laughs> it's kind of funny. I love color, but if somebody's colorful, anyway. Our attitude determines whether we live with a victim mentality, always blaming something in the past for where we are today. I don't want to be that. Um, we asked this question at our care group on, on Wednesday night, and it took us for about an hour till we got around. Everybody answered it. Put that up on the, on the overhead. Here's a question we put out there. As adults, are we a product of our environment in which we were raised or our decisions and choices since then? And the more I thought about it, even Wednesday night and since then, I realized that attitude plays a huge role in how this question is answered, how it's played out in our lives, right? Um, this whole thing of victim mentality, we've all been there. We all know what that is. And I hate to be uh, viewed as one who plays the victim, but there's a few characteristics of, of those people. And I've, I've been there. I'm not preaching to you only, but uh, one, of the, one of the words that we often um, live by if we're playing the victim is blame we will try to blame whatever for where we are especially if we're in a negative position if life is going good what do we do we don't often don't say anything right we don't give anybody the credit we don't even give God the credit many times but if our life isn't going quite like we think it should we're often quick to to pass blame uh, why because it's easy it's convenient and also because we're lazy, just plumb lazy. Blame takes all the responsibility off of us, places it on someone else who has nothing to do with the issue anymore possibly. But nothing changes. When there's blame, nothing changes. Um, it's hard to hide, um, to hide attitudes, I think. They often come out one way or the other. Um, Jesus said that, 
out of the abundance of the heart, what, what's inside, attitudes or whatever, what's inside will come out by what we say. And that's true. Uh, feelings are a little easier to disguise and kind of glaze over, but attitudes will come out, right? Um, we see them all the time. Another thing I've, I notice about attitudes, especially bad ones, they love to be affirmed. They love company. Bad attitudes love company. Um, it's one of the easiest things to talk about. Uh, negative things are very, very easy to, to get a conversation going about. Um, try, uh, well, try the weather on Thursday. That was rough. Um, what gets you through a Thursday? Well, looking at next week's forecast might, might help a little, right? This week's forecast. So looking ahead, see, forward-looking can, can often um, improve our attitudes if we look forward. Um, we've all spent plenty of time looking in the rearview mirror, right? Jesus, I think, uh, explained this one time when he was, when he was here. He said, uh, well, he, he healed this, this young man who was, who was blind. Maybe he wasn't young anymore, but he was blind and he was a beggar. And he healed him. And, uh, well, first of all, if we back up a little bit, his disciples brought him to Jesus, and they're like, hey, who, who's at fault here? Did this man sin, or did his parents sin? It must have really got Jesus upset, because it was, a, it was an incorrect view of, of uh, really poor theology and uh, just a an incorrect view of, of life. Jesus set him straight. He said, nobody sinned here. It wasn't his parents' fault. It wasn't his fault. But what he did say is that, um, that uh, he, wanted, he wanted his audience to experience the power of God, to see the glory of God. What if, what if our issues, what if our hang-ups are not because of, well, they're, they're usually because of something, okay? Let's put that out there. But what if that something isn't really the issue? He's, J Jesus isn't one to blame, to blame your parents for who you are. He's not one to blame uh, even, even him hanging on the cross. He wasn't there blaming the Pharisees. He could have. But what was it about? It was that prophecy would be fulfilled. It was that you and I could experience life and freedom today. That was what he was looking forward to. See, he was forward-looking. So whenever you, you feel negative or, or uh, you feel this attitude of, <clears throat> why did this happen to me? Just try to think forward. Try to think in the future. I think, I think that goes a long way. We can all uh, look around and, and uh, no, don't do this, but we can all know, we, we all know people who are negative, right? Don't look around. <laughs> but I said negativity loves company. That's, that's very true. Um, but also, uh, we can all think of people in our lives who have a more positive outlook, who are more, they live on the sunny side of the street. You want to hang out with them. You feel differently when, you, when you've been with them. Don't you want to be that type of person? Um, I don't think Mahala is here this morning, is she? I don't see her. 
she's one of those that I, she comes into work and she's like, she's always positive. She's so funny. And I know her life hasn't been easy, but that's probably what has made her kind of go the other way. And just, she's just always positive. Um, I don't think Sheila's here this morning either, is she? She's another one of these people, right? Like, she's always positive. And uh, I know her. It's, her life isn't always easy, but she's learned, to, she's learned to go with God, right? I think we need that. I want to be that kind of person. They say that who you are, fi- who you will be five years from now is determined by two things, primarily. What you read and who you spend time with. Those two things. So hanging out with positive friends is very important. Hanging out with, with good people. Uh, it'll take you places. Amen? A hardened attitude is a dreaded disease. I don't know if you have Deuteronomy 9.13 on there, uh, Keturah. 9.13, Deuteronomy. Uh, God was um, pretty upset with the children of Israel. Um, it's a long story, but basically he led them into freedom, and they rejected it. Now how, uh, from God's perspective, that would be very, um, very maddening, and he was upset. He said, furthermore, the Lord spoke to me saying, it's Moses talking here, I have seen these people, and indeed they are a stiff-necked people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. Now Moses pled with the Lord, and the Lord did not destroy them all, but God calls them a stiff-necked people. Well, they had a bad attitude. They had an incorrect view of who he was, and he led them into freedom and life and saved them. We sang about, I mean, the... The, song, the, the first song? Yeah, No Longer Slaves. It's a story of redemption and him bringing them out of Egypt, and, the, and yet they rejected it. Your happiness is not determined by your circumstances. I'm not sure if that's uh, what you believe or not, but I believe it's true. Your happiness is not determined by your circumstances, but it really is determined by your thoughts, what you think. You see, a lot of things begin with thoughts, and then they become attitudes. You see the progression, and then eventually attitudes can become actions or things that we say. But it really begins with a thought, and we get to control those thoughts. We get to think on things that are true, right, true and healthy. But your happiness is really not determined by your circumstances. A lot of successful people uh, did not have a good upbringing, you know, And it drove them to become something that they didn't have. I think there's something in all of us that that's that's the way it works. God made us that way. So change your thoughts and you can change your circumstances. Um, If you don't believe me, read the story of the prodigal son. Okay, he, well, we know the story, but he was was in a pretty, pretty rough place. But one day, it says, he had this thought, right? He said, he thought back to his dad's uh, farmstead or whatever and said, even the servants, like the the lowest people in my dad's 
kingdom, if you will, have it a whole lot better than I do today. See, he changed his thinking. It was no longer, what can I do to enjoy life? No, his life had been reduced to about nothing. And he said, he had this thought that I can go back and just humble myself and just become a servant and have it far better than what I do here. You see, he changed his thinking, it changed his attitude, and it converted into actions. And we know the other part of that prodigal son story, right, was the, the brother with an attitude who ended up living on the outside while the one who changed his thinking got to live on the inside. That's a whole other sermon, I realize, but for the sake of talking about attitudes, that's important. Our attitude becomes super important when our life is in a holding pattern. And I know some of you here that, you know, you've, you have ideas, you've had promises that aren't fulfilled yet, right? So our attitude in the waiting becomes super important. And I think, I think God has a purpose in, in waiting. I believe Pastor Penn's going to do a sermon on, a sermon series maybe on, on waiting or a book or something he's got out. But anyway, he sent me notes on it in case I needed something to say this morning. But I decided to go with attitude instead. But, but waiting, the waiting period is super important. And I think we need to get it right. I think our attitudes are actually revealed in a waiting period. And so remember that. The waiting is frustrating. I, I get that. But, but what if God is after something? What if you can become closer to what he's designed you to become during the waiting period? Like the, the attitudes that he's adjusting in the waiting period can take you closer to his design. What about that? I have a ver- uh, some verses here from the message on, on waiting and uh, I thought this was important to share because, because, uh, well, just because. Let's read it. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our pray- praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs or aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. That's using the passage. I think uh, New King James is like he works everything out for the good of those who love him or something like that. But this is the message translation. Uses the word waiting there and Basically, in a waiting period, we, we try to think of all the things, all the scenarios that we've, that we've missed. Like, why, are we, why is this thing not happening? But he's, he's kind of turning that around and saying, oh, the waiting's fine. Actually, in the waiting, Jesus is actually praying for us. The Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of God, it says here, God's Spirit is right alongside of us. He's actually praying for us. So that's, that's a promise, Right? That should give you a good attitude. Back to blame a little bit. You know when you blame, you remove uh, from your life. You kind of surrender the power to change. If you can blame someone else for your issues, you will never change. It's the whole point of blame. 
I came across a statistic. I don't know if it's true or not, but it says that, uh, and, and, and this was years ago, which is probably worse today, but 74% of Americans who have jobs hate their jobs. Like, 74%. And even more than that, have, have completely, like, zoned out, could care less about what happens at work. Well, that's pretty staggering. It's sad, actually. But a lot of it comes down to your attitude, your outlook. I don't blame employees for that 74%. I, I think oftentimes it's leadership. It's, it, can be, it can be their boss, you know, the guy in charge or the woman in charge. Um, I don't think it's always the employee's fault, of course. But many leaders have a, a uh, and I know this because I've been here. Many leaders will lead from a place of inflated self-worth, like a, I have to be right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue. I'm going to prove my point. I'm going to, I just have to be right. Well, who loves to be wrong? We all love to be right. But I somehow have to learn to surrender my need to be right. I think we all do sometimes. That's, that's attitude. I'm going to look at John 7, 19. You can turn there. Um, I want to read it in the message, but turn to John 7. Uh, an another story of, of uh, Jesus' interaction with, with the people. And it seems like almost every time the Pharisees were like right there looking to catch him doing something. And this is, this is what this is, but I want to I wanna bring out a little uh, a danger of a, of a bad attitude here. Um, I should say right from the start that I've, I've had attitudes, and I, I remember one years ago that I, I, uh, I went through this season. I was, I was pastoring at the time, but um, I was very frustrated with some of the young people, and we only had a few uh, but still, I was very frustrated with them, and they, they just didn't seem to get it. Like, here I was working hard and trying to, trying to get them to change, I guess, and, and um, really, you know, I'd plan things for them, and they wouldn't show up, and it was very frustrating. Um, I had an attitude toward them. They didn't, uh, you know, they didn't dress very well, I didn't think, and they, they just didn't didn't listen to the right music. I don't know what it was, but but I really had to search my heart. Or actually, the Lord convicted me one day, and he, he just kind of uh, made me realize that that uh, it, re it really isn't them. Yeah, they're going to dress the way they do. They might listen to something different than you, but um, the Lord just showed me that he's going to use whatever to reach them, and, and my attitude's not going to cut it. It's, it's not going to work. And, uh, you know, looking back, all of us could, we probably all regret some things in our, in our youthfulness as well. And we've, uh, we've, we've all done things. And every generation, if you think about it, every generation of young people is just the weirdest, right? But it really comes down to the attitude of those of us who are older. We need to, to realize that they, they have a place and they are amazing. Amen. Amen. John seven nineteen. Some people marveled at Jesus' teachings, but a lot of them wanted him eliminated, and it, it, this passage proves it. 
It was Moses, wasn't it, who gave you God's law, but none of you are living it, so why are you trying to kill me? The crowd said, you're crazy. Who's trying to kill you? You're demon-possessed. Jesus said, I did one miraculous thing a few months ago, and you're still standing around getting all upset, wondering what I'm up to. Moses prescribed circumcision. Originally, it came not from Moses, but from his ancestors. And so you circumcise a man dealing with one part of his body, even if it's, even if it's the Sabbath. You do this in order to preserve one item in the law of Moses. So why are you upset with me because I made a man's whole body well on the Sabbath? Don't be hypercritical. Use your head and heart to discern what is right, to test what is authentically right. So what happened here, Jesus healed this man that was lying by the pool of Bethesda for many, many years. And it just so happened to be the Sabbath. A lot of his stories happened on the Sabbath. I'll guarantee you he healed people every day of the week, but the ones that made headlines seemed to happen on the Sabbath. And it just so happened, this was a Sabbath, and Jesus said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And the Jews and the Pharisees made the whole thing about his bed. Think about it. You see, they were, their, their attitudes were, we have this, this custom, and don't mess with it. Jesus comes along and brings life, brings wholeness, an amazing miracle where you speak and the guy stands up and walks. And they made it all about a bed. It's pretty pathetic. But it comes down to an attitude, right? They totally missed the miracle of life because of a hardened attitude. Let, that not, let not that be said of me, right? I want to see miracles. Their attitude actually blinded them from seeing the power of God. Let that, let that sink in. We don't want to miss the power of God. We don't want to miss the power of God at Wellspring. You might have an attitude about another service. Well, it doesn't fit my time schedule. You want to miss the power of God. I know you don't, but I'm just saying, let's not, let's not get hung up on the little things. Let's not get hung up on a certain person that we don't like to see on a Sunday morning. How would that be? Maybe there's somebody that you don't get along with that comes to Wellspring. What if you rejecting them, you're, by rejecting them, you're miss, you miss the power of God? That would be tragic. I have, uh, I want to show you three, way, three, three ways to fail at everything. How's that? You might want to write this down and post it on your refrigerator. It's not something you're going to see stuck to the ceiling when you're laying in a dentist chair. I thought about that the other day. They have this whole thing on the ceiling. Positive thinking, which is great. I didn't see this there. Three ways to fail at everything. Number one, I found this on the Internet probably. I don't even know where I saw it. It's, it's not really my idea, but I love it. Number one, complain about everything. How's that work? Attitude right? You can fail at everything if you just complain enough. Number two, blame somebody else for your problems. That's easy. That's fun. It's exciting for a little. It just doesn't accomplish anything. Don't do it. And number three, never be grateful. That's a big one. We have to be grateful people. I think God's people are grateful people. 
I think we should be. It'll, it'll take you places. So you flip this around, obviously, you can, you can succeed at everything, okay, if you do those three things. I believe. That's a, it's a great start anyway. Um, my wife reminded me the other, the other day that, uh, well, she, she quoted her, one of her people she follows, Dr. Leaf or something. She said that embracing change increases intelligence. I don't know. It's probably true. Embracing change increases intelligence. I don't know. I want to be smart. I don't know if you do or not, but, well, embrace change. I think it's, it's good for us. Um, like I said earlier, it's, it's not always easy, but who's looking for easy? What about, what about looking for right? What about looking for best? Amen? Let's go after that. Another thing I find that is important is a biblical worldview. I said earlier that the longer I live, the more I realize that or the less faith I have in, in, in mankind to really fix our world problems. And uh, without a biblical worldview, I don't know how anything really gets accomplished of value, of lasting value. Um, it gives me, I, I guess when I realize that fact, it gives me a little grace for those who are trying to change things without Jesus. It gives me a little grace for them, but it also makes me realize that for every problem, Jesus must have a solution. I think that's what a biblical worldview means, where we, we look at the world through his eyes, or at least we try to. It means that God is in charge, and we, we recognize that. It also means that he works every detail of our lives into something good. That's what it means to have a biblical worldview. Amen? I think I've said enough. Let's stand together. I just, wanna, I just want you to check your heart this morning. I, I want me to do that as well. But let's, let's check in with the Lord from time to time. Ask him how our attitude's been. Um, it's often evident in, you know, in our world around us. But let's, let's be humble enough to, to ask him for a revelation of where we are. Our attitude towards people, maybe our spouses, our family members. Let's check in with him. Let's pray. I discovered years ago that that uh, nothing and no one can change me like an encounter with Jesus. Some would like to deny the, the power of the Holy Spirit, but I'm here to tell you he's real. He's, he's interested in your life. In fact, he's the only one that's going to change your life. One song that Austin did, it's just a, it's just a surrender. It's a, just asking the Father to come in and change, and that's what he does through the, through the wonderful Holy Spirit. So, Father, we ask that you do that here today. We open, we open our hearts to you afresh. We know that we don't always get, get our attitudes right. Our, our perspective is often skewed. But we want you. We need you. 
We just declare our, our need of you this morning. We declare our need of your Holy Spirit in our lives every day, directing us and causing us to live at a level that we could never live at. We want to be effective. We want to be successful for all the right reasons. But we, we just tell you we need you. Another thing, let's live gratefully. Let's live a life of gratefulness. Father, we are grateful for you this morning. Like Heather was saying earlier, we are nothing without you. We are, we've come so far in a lot of ways, but it really is you. It really is you. We've done, we've prayed, but, but you've increased us, and we're so grateful. We say thank you this morning. Show us how to be a grateful people. Show us how to live out of out of a place where where you are. Like you are the you are our foundation. Help us to live from there and not from our past somewhere that doesn't bring life. We want our lives to to produce life. We bless you. We say thank you for showing us. Thank you for showing us our need of you just all over again this morning. We surrender to that, Lord. So pray for each one who has who has dealt with fears and, and uh, things that they shouldn't have to carry. And I just pray, Lord, that you you touch them this morning. Show them how to how to just surrender it all to you, knowing that you are able to carry whatever. conquered death and so we know that you can conquer our fears you can conquer our, our even our inabilities and what we the the power we give to to that we don't have sometimes we don't have it all together we don't have all the answers we know that you do so we just say yes to you this morning we say yes to your holy spirit directing our lives causing our lives to make sense we love you lord Amen.